Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach. We'll be discussing some really timely topics today. Um, during our last segment, we'll be observing Save Smart Month with uh, Michelle Richardson. She's a college coach finance expert, and she'll be providing us with tips about saving money that are relevant for all of us, not just for college students or parents of college students. And for the first two segments, I'm really excited to have Laura Amagon. Did I say that right? Um, of Rudder's coaching or Rudder coaching, excuse me. She and I will be focusing on advice for graduating seniors on how to prepare for college. So you've been admitted, you've paid your deposit, um, but are you really ready? It's more than just getting into the college. So um, Laura is one of those people who can help you get there. Welcome, Laura. Thanks, Sally. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. So I think that what you do is actually more important than what I do. I just want to be really clear about that. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing what I do, which I enjoy. I love doing it. I do think it's important. Um, but honestly, one of the things that I find when I'm talking to parents and students both is that they're so focused on getting into college that it's almost like they think things will be magic once they're there. And these issues that they're facing of maybe it's disorganization, maybe it's shyness, maybe it's all kinds of human, perfectly human, perfectly understandable challenges that their student has needed a lot of help with in high school, that it's just going to go away mm -hmm. when they go to college. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Like you need to, don't just think about prestige, think about what's the right college where your child is going to survive and thrive. But also, no matter how good the college is, how good of a match it is for your child, for your student, there's going to be challenges. So I'm so glad that people like you are out there. And I would love for you to kind of like dive in and tell me what are some of the major issues that where, you know, first year students in particular maybe really falter when they get to college. Sure. Yes. So, so much good work done by so many people in terms of helping families get into college. So absolutely, mm -hmm. it's an important process. I was part of it for a long time. Um, but there, unfortunately, there's just not enough time in the day and the hours and the months, right, for high schoolers and, and college counselors to spend the time with seniors and family families really preparing them for the transition into college. So when I work with college students who are feeling stuck or struggling in one or more of the four areas, the academics, um, the personal areas, personal health, personal wellness, um, their professional growth, kind of where they feel like they're headed professionally, and then the social connections that they're making. So those four areas, there's usually some struggle, and we all struggle in these areas. Nobody's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. um, but some students will struggle more in one area or two areas, you know, hopefully not all of them, um, but they feel like they're, they're just stuck or they're not college is not clicking the way that they thought it was going to. They're not having mm -hmm. the experience that they thought they would have, or when they look around at their friends that they think that their friends are having. So a lot of the students, it's like, I did great in high school. What, why does this not feel good here at my school? So then they think sometimes, oh, maybe it's the school. Maybe I need to transfer, which may or may not be the case, but they often feel like if if what they did in high school doesn't immediately translate into the experience that they're having in college, that something has gone terribly wrong, you know? And as you said, like college is a new marathon. I talk about the high school marathon and the college application marathon. So many people finish, like finish it. They, they deposit it's graduation. It's like, hallelujah, especially this year with COVID. Right. And they don't realize that actually the next marathon's about to start. Mm -hmm. um, they've reached the promised land, right? The, you know, college is going to be the best four years of their lives. And, and then when they hit their first roadblock or maybe their second roadblock, like say not a good exam, you know, their midterm grade doesn't go well, or they are not getting along with their roommate or mm -hmm. the major they thought they were going to pursue ends up, they hate it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they find these roadblocks and then the skills that they had in high school, they just don't, 
translate into their college environment the way they need to as quickly as they want them to. So mm-hmm. many will struggle along and, and kind of figure it out. And then some don't figure it out as quickly as we as they could, right? And so that's mm-hmm. where I would come in and, and work with a student for a short amount of time to just help them figure out one of these four areas or maybe more, you know, whatever their mm-hmm. particular um, needs are and just get them headed in a slightly different direction with some different habits, some different strategies. And then they realize it's like, oh, college, I've never done college before. You know, even though I did well mm-hmm. in high school doesn't necessarily mean that college is going to be a breeze and that I have to adjust my perspective, my expectations, you know, and then they can kind of get into a rhythm. So I think that the biggest challenge is when something happens and they realize that, you know, this place that they thought was going to be amazing, Mm -hmm. that was going to be the perfect fit. They don't realize that they have to make it fit. You have to Mm -hmm. make college fit, right? We talk a lot about fit during the college application process. And it's so important to think about fit, right? Not just prestige or brand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when you get there, it's like, okay, it's a fit. It's a magic slipper, you know, glass slipper fit. Well, no, you have, to, it's like a baseball glove. It's like, you kind of have to, you kind of have to work it a little bit to really make it fit for you. Mm-hmm. So that kind of agency, they don't realize you know, right up front that they have to lead with that. You have to, you have to be really proactive to make your college fit, not just wait and let it kind of unfold, you know, perfectly for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really like that idea that you have to make it fit. Like we want to find you the right college where the, the basic materials are there, but you're then you're the one that's going to have to make it fit at that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that they can be doing like right now? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing like I'm going to get I have a nephew who is a rising who's about to matriculate at college. And like, what should I be telling him? Awesome. Yeah. So I really like giving students and parents very clear, simple, actionable steps that they can be doing now, right? As a parent, I know I feel this way. I'm like, just tell me what I need to do, right? (laughs) Tell me what I can do for my my son or daughter, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is really the, the first major skill that they need to transition when they get to college is is called being future focused, where Mm -hmm. they're looking forward to what they want to create for themselves, how they want to grow in college, as opposed to always looking back to who they were in high school, right? Mm -hmm. So even though like nobody cares about your SAT scores anymore, Mm -hmm. like nobody cares about the classes you took or the sports you played or what you accomplishments you had. I mean, it's all wonderful and good. And maybe that was part of what got you to that particular college, but then you got to you know, kind of leave that chapter behind and you're focusing on creating this new chapter. So Mm -hmm. one of the ways to get really future focused over the summer is to actually continue to research your college where you're headed in a much more, I call it a deep dive, deep dive research. So a much kind of more granular specific level of research on the college you're headed towards. A lot of students deposit, graduate, have a great summer, which is all good. You can Mm -hmm. still have a great summer. Spend an hour a week researching your college. And I have a deep dive worksheet on my website. Just uh, just questions that I've come up with that I think really, if a student has all of this understanding of the place that they're headed, then they have a much clearer idea of the opportunities um, and resources available to them before they even get there, before they even need them. Mm-hmm. So I talk about it like, think about it going to a restaurant, like it's a buffet. Like you want to get to your college and think of your college like a buffet. You're going to go up there, you're going to have this, 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 and you know what's out there. Like, you know, you're ready to get started and, and trying all the things as opposed to like a restaurant where you just sit there and you just wait for the waiter or waitress to come. And you're just like, you know, twiddling your thumbs. You want to get to your college and, and know I'm going to start out by trying this activity. I'm going to take these classes and then I'm going to take these classes and then I'm going to meet with this office and I'm going to get to career services early. You see what I mean? So you're really ready to start building this new college version of you. Mm-hmm. By researching your school in even greater specificity and depth at a granular level over the summer, all on the website, right? You don't have to go mm-hmm. there again. All on the website, you read about professors and what they're studying and researching and maybe things you could get involved with. You read about internships that people in your major have done. You read mm-hmm. about the traditions at the school, especially because so many students didn't get to visit their campus Um you know, because of COVID, um, it's even more important for this year's graduating class to continue to research over the summer. 
So that's the first thing. Anybody can do it. Spend an hour a week. Um, talk about it and also talk about it with your, you know, with your family, what you, what you've learned and what you're planning to do when you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing um, is the, so the second skill that I talk a lot about, and I think is so important for all students. I mean, really everybody, but especially college students is it's called compare and celebrate. Okay. It's a little cheesy, but a lot of um, students will get to college and they keep thinking like they can, com- they're constantly comparing themselves to the people around them which is pretty normal. It's actually pretty normal for the brain to like Mm -hmm. compare and make sense of the world by looking around, but then they make what they see around them with their friends or on social media. And it makes, and make themselves feel terrible. Like I'm behind, I'm not good enough. I don't have things figured out yet. I have not enough friends and everybody else seems to be doing great. Right. So to really think about being able to look at other people and their successes and what seems to be their you know, what they have and not make it mean anything about you, right? That you can mm-hmm. separate yourself from what you see out there. So over the summer, you can actually get ready for this because you're going to be around people in a new way when you get to college, right? Whether you're living with people on campus or even if you live at home, but you're commuting to campus, you're going to be with a whole new set of peers. There's going to be a lot of comparisons going on, right? Like, you know, oh, this person's at this college, you know. Um, and so to think about spending some time over the summer, just on your, you can do it on your phone. You could just jot it down on paper. Go through what you feel like your successes were from the college application process and your disappointments were. There's mm-hmm. never a time to acknowledge that you just went through a big emotional process mm-hmm. and to actually write down what you're proud of and what you were disappointed by from the college application process. It sounds mm-hmm. like, wait, what's the point of that? But really it, it helps the student kind of clear out of their mind all the competitiveness from the, from the college application process so that they can get to college and then write down what do you want for yourself mm-hmm for your college journey. So going into college with some notes, like I want to do this, I want to do this, you know, I want to feel this, right? So you really are grounded. They're really grounded in, in all the good thoughts that they have about themselves. Mm-hmm. Second one is to process and debrief um, from the college application process and what you feel good about going into college. Mm-hmm. So the third one is um, scheduling, how you do time management, how you make a schedule is the one of the biggest skills they're going to have to transfer from high school to college. Um, it's so different, the high school um, in uh, the high school time management to college time management. And so using the summer to actually figure out how you want to write down your schedule and block your schedule um, is probably the best way to practice before college, right? In the summer, you don't really have a ton of accountability. Maybe you have a job, you know, but otherwise it's up to you how you manage your time. So getting into the routine of actually writing down your schedule now mm-hmm. is going to be the best tool for you when you get into the fall. And then just lastly, the last skill is called self-confidence which is actually a skill. Most people think it's just like a trait, a personality trait, but it's actually something that you learn, you can practice, you can improve on. And so the way to work on self-confidence, a lot of seniors come off of high school, they feel on top of the world, hopefully, like they feel like very comfortable in their social groups and their activities and what they do. And when they get to college, like all of that goes to, like all of the confident feeling goes to awkwardness, you feel vulnerable, you feel uncomfortable <laughs> again. You're like, I don't even know these people. You know, what do they think of me? And all the, all the, you know, awkwardness. Think back to freshman year in high school, right? It kind of comes flooding back. So using the summer to actually go out of your comfort zone. I, I mm-hmm. say do four things, like maybe once a week. Do something out of your comfort zone where you actually feel nervous. You actually feel uncomfortable. Remember what it feels like to feel uncomfortable now when you're in your home environment, right? Mm-hmm. So like plan something with friends you don't usually hang out with or go to a restaurant you don't ever eat. I mean, you know, do something that gets you a little bit out of your comfort zone is a great way to practice for the fall. Mm-hmm. So the well, things. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned to you, my nephew, uh, his parents are making him get a job. He hasn't yeah. had a job before. It's time to practice some new skills. You know? Out of your comfort zone. Exactly. Get a little nervous. You don't know what the boss wants you to do. You have to ask for clarification. You have to be on time. Like you have mm. to, you know, all of those things 
are just going to refuel your brain of like, okay, I can do new things. I can do new things. I'll be all right. I'll learn. It'll be uncomfortable for a little while. And then you get into your groove. And that's exactly what's going to happen when he gets to, you know, his freshman year college classes and friends and dorm and all of that. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Well, we're going to take a short break now, but Laura and I will both be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. College admissions can be stressful. But Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Laura. Thanks again for being on with us today. Great. It's great to be here. All right, Laura. So I loved what we talked about in the first segment, but obviously... Things don't always go perfectly. I'm also kind of wondering how you get buy-in for students. Like, do you have some real-life examples that um, can kind of help help the listener and me, frankly, like understand exactly how all this works? Yes, great. Okay, so I, I love to give examples from the college clients that I've worked with just because the awareness just from your listeners hearing about some of these examples, they're not there yet, right? But just having an awareness around these skills, how they're going to be tested, how people that I've worked with have been tested, and how a small adjustment in how the student's thinking can actually get them back on track pretty pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, and feel better. Like the idea of all of this is that you are a, the goal is to be a confident student who feels good and not all the time, right? You're not happy all the time, but you generally feel confident in your ability to make the most of your college experience. It's such a big investment, both for the student and for the family. Like you do want to get the most out of this extremely unique, you know, amazing privileged time. Like it's so Mm -hmm. important, right? To make the most of it. So, you know, for one example of a student who, um, who needed a little help getting more future focused. So this student, um, David, so when I started working with him, he was in his sophomore year. He had just finished freshman year. He started in engineering. He thought he was going to be an engineer like his whole high school career. He applied to a great school, got into their engineering program. Right. And when he got into those classes, he struggled. He um, you know, always thought he kept thinking like I was such a good science student and math student in high school. What's, What's the problem? Why is this not 
coming more easily to me. Mm-hmm. And then he would look around. So it was a little bit of compare and despair too. He'd look around at the students in the class and think they're so much more advanced than I am. I don't know if I'm in the right place. Right. So he started to doubt himself. And then really he, um, a lot of this happens for a lot of students. Um, I call it the fear of looking dumb. It's a very scientific term, but that's kind of <laughs> how I explain it. Some mm-hmm. call it the imposter syndrome. You know, it's, it's generally like, don't say anything because then people will know that I don't understand what's happening here. Right. Mm-hmm. And the mentality is like, I'll just figure it out later on my own by myself mm-hmm. so that nobody knows that I'm actually maybe not as smart as they thought when they admitted me to this college. Right. <laughs> um, and so he had a lot of that. And the repeating question that when we, when I met him, he kept saying is like, I don't understand. I did fine in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. He knew how to study. He knew how to do homework, but he had this kind of overwhelming, like, oh gosh, did I make a mistake? Is this all wrong? Maybe I don't know what I want to do. Anyway, he decided to come out of engineering. And so when I met him, he was already a sophomore and it was like, he just, again, felt rudderless, right? My company is rudder coaching for a reason. Mm-hmm. He felt like, I don't even know what direction because he was so focused on the past. So we really did some work over a couple of weeks to get him kind of to make peace with what freshman year was and realize mm-hmm. that he was still in full control and he could create the college experience that he wanted without engineering and that he could really decide what he wanted to do going forward. And that, yes, it would feel uncomfortable as he created a new identity for himself, a new, you know, so he was taking creative writing classes, he was taking some bio, you know, so, and then he started to basically feel better, you know, and just kind of, and then that trickled into, he managed his time better, he got his work done better, he started Mm -hmm. study groups, he started talking to professors more, right? So just that little bit of like, hey, let's stop thinking about last year and what was, and let's start thinking about what you want and what could, what could, you could create for yourself. Kind of like, it just, it's like looking at the rear view mirror to then back to looking out the front, the front um, window of the car. And so he could kind of move forward. So Mm -hmm. that's an example of the future focused kind of you know, high school was great, but like, let's move on and really think about what you want to create for yourself going forward. Which I want to, I'm sorry. I just want to highlight something too. I've run into this a lot where students feel like they can't ask for help. It's like they, they were the smart one in high school and they never needed help in high school. And so then they get to college and like asking for help is terrifying. And I'm like, your college, I've just looked it up. They have a writing center. They have a math center. They have tutoring. I mean, I've, I've looked it up for students and told them to use it. Right. Because it's that fear of looking dumb, mm-hmm. right? That somehow they're not as smart as they were believed to be when they were admitted, right? Mm-hmm. Or that their peers are. So maybe they shouldn't be at that college, right? Like I had a student who kept saying, like, I just got into this, like, amazing college. It was maybe her reach. It was her reach college, mm-hmm. right? And so she had this feeling like, oh, my gosh, everybody around here is so much smarter. Therefore, and I had this, too, where I was like, in my mind, the, the answer to, a, to not getting something was work harder, spend more mm-hmm. time, like go to the library for longer, like you can figure it out, you know, which in my head sounded good. But on the other hand, it was like, look up, all these people can help you. And mm-hmm. just because you, you're not a genius, like for that student, it's like, just because you're not great at engineering, you just started engineering. Mm-hmm. You're not an engineering major yet. You are starting classes in engineering to become an engineering major when you graduate. That's Mm -hmm. when you're an engineering major. You can declare it, but you're not the major yet. You become the major after you finish all the classes, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not supposed to have the like uber confidence when you start. That's okay, right? And so I actually work with my students a lot about asking for help. And I, and I teach them, there is actually a good way to think about asking for help. And this could be helpful for, for your listeners of, you know, there's a sweet spot of asking for asking for help, right? A lot of students that I've worked with are so into the habit of asking for help that they don't trust themselves, Mm. believe that they can figure out the answer on their own at all. Right. Right. They're constantly waiting for feedback from a friend about a paper or a professor to okay an idea or to go to the writing center before they even submit any any small writing thing, right? And Mm -hmm. so they don't actually have the confidence to take the next step on their own. But then you have the other the other extreme where they don't ask for help at all because they think that figure it out yourself, right? So I always like to teach my students, it's like think about checking in, 
Okay. Where you have an, you have a problem or something you're working on, you're struggling with, and you have an idea for how you want to solve it. But there's so many brilliant resources at your campus. That's what they get paid for. Right. So check in with them. Like when you have a professor, like say, here's what I'm thinking about writing about for this paper. Does that make sense? Am I on the right track? It's a check-in. It's a right track, right? Mm-hmm. So you have developed the skill, the muscle of solving your own problem, but you're also checking in with these wonderful experts who are at the college, right? Why wouldn't you check in with them to see if they have any feedback, some things you missed, something mm-hmm. you didn't consider, right? And then you get their perspective and then you just add it in to what you're already thinking, Right. So there is like, you know, not too. don't wait too long, but don't go right away. Right. Think about Mm -hmm. solving the problem on your on your own and then find a resource on campus to check in with. Bring your idea of your solution to them and then they can help you see things maybe you missed. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the prescription for kind of for asking for help. Um, one other really good example is around the time management. So I had a student who she was, she was so smart. She had a a business going on on the side. She was doing all her classes, right. And COVID, you know, was particularly hard for her not getting to campus, right. She was a very social person. So she was spending a lot of time, you know, inside like most college students last year. Um, and she really struggled with how to organize her time. So she would find herself um, getting behind on assignments. And then she felt so terrible that she was behind on the assignments that she would find herself scrolling on her phone. And then the next thing she knows, like an hour has gone by. And now she's more anxious, which means she goes back to her phone. Right. Or then she's like, you know what? It's too late. I just need to go to bed. So then she would go to bed, wake up the next morning feeling terrible that like, you know, she was behind. Um, And she just really didn't have a system of laying out what she needed to get done for the day and then sticking to that plan. So really just some awareness around. And it was like, you know, the mindless scrolling, right, which we're all you know, we're all victim to at times, but bringing some awareness to how she was spending her time is what we went through. And then really getting her a system that worked for her to plan out her days. And really the the big key is, and I work with a lot of my students on this, is Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, you don't really feel like doing too much work, but you know, the week's coming, right? Sunday afternoon is the best time. Just sit down and you know, block out your week, map out your week, how I call it scheduling success, because mm-hmm. if you can see it, if you can see how your week will could pan out, right. That you can fit all the things that you want into your week. If you can visually see it and your brain has evidence that it is possible to get the work done and hang out with the friends and get sleep and get some exercise once in a while and get some activities in, right? You're so much more likely to be able to follow through than if you just keep it all up in your head and think, oh, I'm just going to do this, this hour, and then this, and then this, because before you know it, the distractions are coming in big time, especially when you get to college, right? Mm -hmm. Distractions are so much more available. Um, And so what she just needed to do was a little bit of a system of time management. Then actually the most exciting part for her was She got her work done. She felt like she was doing better in her classes. But the biggest thing was she started making time and actually planning social events, like planning Mm -hmm. to hang out with her friends, which actually meant that she started to feel better about her relationships and making new friends because she kind of, again, COVID was part of it, but, Mm -hmm. but, um, but she felt like she wasn't really making friends. The more excited she was about making friends, guess how much more motivated she was to get her work done. When mm-hmm. she had plans, right, to be with her friends at night, it was like, well, of course I'm going to focus and get my reading done now because I want to do that tonight. But before she had never been making plans because she thought she had to do work. Anyway, it's just like figuring out how it all works um, is a big part of, um, you know, a lot of my work with students, there's some piece of of time management and deciding how you're going to use your time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last thing I'll say that I think is a huge awareness um, that can be really helpful for college students, entering college students, um, is the distinction between, and I I talk about this with my students a lot, the distinction between confidence and self-confidence. Okay. So confidence is what most seniors are feeling now. They're generally believing, feeling good about their ability to do things, 
Okay. So it's a confidence is your ability, your belief in your ability to do a thing because you've mm-hmm. done it already. Right. So they know they can make friends because they've made friends in high school. They know they can do the classwork because they just did it for four years. Right. So they have confidence in those areas. Now, self-confidence is different. So self-confidence is the belief in yourself, not your ability, but yourself that you will be okay. Even if you mess up, mm-hmm. if things go terribly that you can go do the new thing because ultimately you're like, all right, if this come, if this is horrible and turns out terribly, I'll still be okay. I'll still be able to like, keep going on, right. Keep on trucking. Um, but self-confidence actually feels not great. Right. So I had a student who had a lot of confidence in her ability to write papers and to do the work academically, but she was really struggling with the self-confidence because she kept thinking, well, what if I, you know, what if I write this idea in a paper and it's terrible and the professor hates it and I get a terrible grade and then I don't get into my master's program. And then my life's like, you know, she was taking it, <laughs> you know, to, which we, a lot of right. us call catastrophizing. It's a normal, right. it's a normal cognitive function that our brain does. It's trying to keep us safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Your brain in that moment, you know, is trying to keep her safe. But self-confidence is is literally your prefrontal cortex. This is the science behind it. Your prefrontal cortex telling your primal brain, which is designed to keep you safe, like it's okay. If you write the paper and it doesn't get the grade you want, you'll be okay. Right. right. So helping her realize that self-confidence is required to do new things, it f- still feels scary. The self-doubt is still there. You still feel vulnerable, but you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of the new scary thing, right? Like submitting her papers without having the professor okay everything. That's what she she needed to do. Then she would submit them, feel nervous and terrible, but then realize, oh, I'm actually okay. The world is okay. Like I'm okay. So in, in college, you have to realize that when you do new things, it's going to feel uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that you're not, it's just the confidence comes after you do the thing. That good feeling comes after you do it. So like I had a student who took an exam. She got a terrible grade on that first exam in college. And she went into like a tailspin, like, okay, I'm not good enough to be here. Maybe this is the wrong college. Maybe I shouldn't be in this major. It's like, no, no, this was your first college exam. Have you ever taken a college exam before? No. (laughs) Okay. So let's not make it mean all these things. Let's just make it mean that maybe however you studied, we have to adjust. So don't go into the tailspin. That's the self-doubt. Let's just realize that everything's not going to go perfectly, but use it as, um, that's mine, sorry. Use it as information to go forward, to come up with a new strategy for next time. And then you just keep the progress going forward. You don't get stuck and feel terrible and kind of like that self-doubt feeling kind of takes over a lot. So you just get yeah. forward. I often actually tell parents that as painful as it is for them to see it happen, actually having their kid fail in high school can be a good thing so that they, while their parents are there to say, I love you and you're, this is fine and you're going to get past this. Like I sort of worry more about the students where nothing has gone wrong and wrong in high school or nothing substantive. And then, yeah, they, they have their first like C on a test or essay or, and they're just like, wow, I'm a fraud. I'm a moron. I'm, you know. And the way that that looks is their student's not going to say that, but the student is going to not participate in class. They're not going to reach out for help. Mm -hmm. They're not going to form study groups. They're kind of going to go inward, right? And they're going to make conclusions, very quick conclusions, like this college is not for me. This major is not for me, right? That they're trying to, they want to scrap everything. It's like, no, no, no. Whatever you did before this exam, maybe just there's some strategy that you have to adjust. Mm-hmm. So it's not this big, you know, marker that something's gone horribly wrong, right? It's just, okay, whatever I did before that, let's, let me look what went well, what can I adjust? Maybe what new thing can I try for next time? Mm-hmm. And I always hope that students realize this is going to help them in the workforce too. I mean, there's even a Silicon Valley even has the expression fail upwards, like, what? Yeah, you know, it's like you're, the first thing you invented didn't go beautifully in most cases. It's like it was a massive failure and then you start a different company or whatever. And that's that's how things go well. Right. 
And the, but the, it's just because there's so much like intense emotion when you get, especially to freshman year, because largely it's like the first major decision you've made for yourself mm-hmm. right? with the family involved, of course. But like, then it's like, oh my God, am I not good at deciding things for my life? Right? Mm-hmm. Because maybe I chose wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I've, I've ended up in a place that I shouldn't have. Maybe I can't trust myself. Right. Which again, it's the self-confidence like, no, it's Okay nothing's gone wrong here. Things like this will happen. As you say, they're supposed to happen. How will I handle this? What can I learn? Now the momentum keeps moving forward to that future focused mm-hmm. new college version of yourself instead of like, oh my gosh, you know, everything I've built, everything that's come before me, maybe I've thrown it all away because something terrible has happened here. Right. And it's not this catastrophizing. It's, you know, take a deep breath. College is going to have bumps. It's not a fantasy land. You have to figure it out as you go. You will make it fit. And you're going to feel uncomfortable a lot of the time, right? And the confidence really does come later. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, You know, but, but the more you seek to be uncomfortable, the more you will learn, the more you will make the most of your environment and you'll make great friends and you really will get the college experience you want. So it's not about feeling amazing and confident always. It's actually about feeling vulnerable, trying new things, putting yourself out there, growing into that new college version of you, you know, who's then going to be ready to take on whatever comes after college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, this has been so helpful. I hope everybody listens to this. <laughs> I hope so too. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Laura. And again, this is Laura Amigon. Yep. Rudder Coaching. Mm-hmm. Rudder Coaching. You can find her online. All right. So we're going to take a short break and then Michelle Richardson will be here to give suggestions on how to save money in honor of Save Smart Month. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sally, for having me on. Oh, absolutely. So I'm so glad that we're doing this. Um, you know, I actually think this is as important as anything we talk about on this show, which is how to save money. 
how to be smart with money. I mean, I was frankly terrible with money until my 30s, didn't really have a savings account. You know, my savings account was basically my mother. So, um, you know, which was not her idea, by the way. She taught me right. It just took me a while to absorb the lessons. So just kind of wondering (laughs) what would be the first piece of advice that you would give anyone who wants to save but maybe already feels pretty pinched financially, because I think that's where a lot of people are. I would agree. And so one of the biggest steps I would suggest is to just start saving and know that it's okay to start small. You know, if people start with, or individuals with $25 a month or maybe $50 a month or or a uh, 100 you uh, can start to see that fund grow. And oftentimes in speaking with many families, whether it's saving for college or saving for a vacation or an emergency fund, um, one of the biggest hurdles is just making that commitment to start. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. But let's talk about, so what is an emergency fund? So an emergency fund is a savings fund to cover unexpected expenses. And as we all know, life happens and we do have those unexpected occurrences, whether a car breaks down or appliances quit, um, or maybe it's even more significant with a a job loss. And so um, it's really important to have a emergency fund to cover that unexpected expense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people could, you know, all kinds of things can happen. So, so we know that having an emergency fund is definitely important, but it does seem also that there's so many things that people need to save for. So, you know, how do you prioritize? Sure. So, you know, in the financial counseling and planning world, we call that competing priorities. And so your priorities are and where you spend your money are based on your individual values. And and your values might be different than mine. And so, and as we know, there's never, for most of us, there's never an infinite, an infinite rather, amount of, of money. So, even though we don't think of it that way, we are, you know, having to deal with competing priorities on a daily basis. Do we pay this bill or do we, you know, do I buy that dress or do we go out for dinner tomorrow night? So, again, think of where the individual and the family, what their values are, and that's a really good place to start um, in determining prioritization for their money. Mm-hmm. I always think about that because I my car is 14 years old, um, but you know it's a Mazda, it's still running just fine. And I think of my Mazda at this point, it's almost like a savings account because you know insurance is $400 a year. It costs almost nothing, and like I said, occasional sure. repairs, but in great shape. And so the money that I'm saving, not just in terms of the price of a new car which I could pay for a new car outright at this point. But if I did that, I wouldn't have room to, re- I wouldn't have the money to remodel my kitchen next year, which is a higher priority for me. And maybe take a vacation. I want to go to Australia. So I'm thinking about, it's a way of saving for Australia, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and that's a great way to, to look at it. So whether you know, a priority is a a vacation or a home remodel or saving for a down payment on a home, you know, um, or paying for college. Uh, My son, for example, has a a goal. He wants to retire early. And so, you know, he is very aggressive on his saving and his retirement plan, more so than I am. And so, again, it all comes down to individual priorities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, some people love cars and they don't like vacations. And I will say, too, that I recognize that I'm in a place of such privilege that, you know, this I'm, I have enough to survive. Right. So this is all the gravy that I'm making these decisions right. about. So so how do you I mean, kind of beyond figuring out what your priorities are, um, how do you suggest developing your saving goals? So we typically like to speak to breaking down goals uh, by term. So, for example, a a short-term 
goal is typically a, a goal that is less than a year. Uh, maybe for some people it might be developing and starting an emergency fund, or it might be saving for a vacation, um, or maybe having the latest technology. Um, some families have specific savings accounts for holiday spending, and so that would be considered a short-term goal. Um, an intermediate-term goal is one to three years or one to five years. So maybe, uh, for example, I'm getting married. So the last couple years since I've been engaged, you know, one of my intermediate goals has been saving to pay for a wedding. Um, so, or for some people, it could be a down payment for an automobile. Um, and then long-term goals are, are typically five years or longer. So very common long-term saving goals would be, Obviously, retirement, maybe college savings, um, and again, any of those goals that an individual may have or a priority for them that is five years or beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, once those goals are established, um, you know, then what? You know, how should people go about this? I mean, interest rates have been pretty low, so it's kind of depressing looking at the money in the savings account making 20 cents a month. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I looked at mine, and I, I hear you. Um, and I guess for my savings accounts, I really don't look at them as, as earning. You know, they never have really earned much much interest, but it's been a great peace of mind to have them. Um, and that kind of speaks to, I have separate accounts. And so this might be something that an individual or a family does. You know, maybe your emergency fund uh, savings account is separate than your vacation fund or the down payment on a home. Um, and another uh, suggestion is to use direct deposit. So when you get paid um, or once a month have a certain dollar amount transferred to the savings account or accounts that, that you may have. Um, and think about any extra funds that you may encounter. Some families and individuals received stimulus money in the, the last year, um, or maybe you receive a tax refund. So instead of maybe spending that money, maybe putting that uh, towards one of your savings goals would help you uh, attain it quicker. Um, and know that there are, you know, consult with a professional. There are many different types of, of financial counselors and, and planners or tax advisors. Um, and, you know, if you ever need help establishing goals and, and again, taking that first big step and starting an account, um, there are people out there to help. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Any, any last tips? Um, just overall, I mean, how do you, I think one of the hardest parts is just getting started you know, just to kind of loop back to the first thing where you say the biggest step is to smart. Is there any, like, I just kind of wonder sometimes how to encourage someone to start. Like I, I had a friend who didn't have a retirement account and I finally just sat down with him and like made him set it up kind of, I mean, I didn't make him, he wanted help, but it sort of made him anxious to do it. So I said, well, we'll just sit down and do it. Just the two of us right now. So I'm kind of wondering how, like, any last words to encourage people to take that step? Sure. A couple of things there. I think, you know, money is a very sensitive topic. And so some for some people, it can be a little intimidating to have a conversation about money or maybe I don't have an emergency fund or I've never had a savings account or a retirement account. You know, how do I talk to somebody and admit that? and feel like I'm not being judged. Um, and this is where the, you know, consulting with a, a professional comes in and, and know that you're not alone. Um, and also another piece of advice would be it's okay to be, and you should be flexible. Um, you know, financial changes happen all the time. And so if you start with a plan and then maybe you did have something happen and you needed to change your plan. That's okay. It's okay to pivot um, and know that you can evolve your 
savings plans and goals as as your life and, and competing priorities uh, change and shift because they do. You know, what I thought was a priority in my 20s is definitely different, you know, now when I'm, you know, closer to 50. So know that it's okay to be flexible and know that um, you're not alone and people are, are here to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even, I mean, I'll bet you could walk into, like, a credit union with $25 and start that way, right? Like, there can be savings account, depending on the bank, that are uh, with almost nothing. Right. A lot of a lot of credit unions, you can start an account with $5. And uh, when we speak with families about college savings plans, like maybe a, a 529 is an option. Many state 529 plans can be opened with an initial $25 deposit. So it's not like you have to walk into an institution or have to have a, a thousand in cash to open an account. And, and that's where I think, you know, it's important to just take that, that first big step. And, and, um, and it can be very rewarding um, as you start to see that account as one of the uh, slides we use in our Saving for College program is compounding interest is our best friend. And, you know, Albert Einstein said that, and he was one of the smartest, you know, men um, alive. So, um, you know, taking that, that first step and, and knowing you're, you're not alone and it's okay to change your goals um, as life changes. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Michelle. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Sally. All right. And thanks so much to Laura Amagon of Rudder Coaching. Um, do get ready for our show next week. We're, we'll be talking about the athletic recruiting process for parents and how to talk to your college-bound senior about financial fitness. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. And you can also download every show for free on iTunes. And if you want to search for a particular show topic, you can go to our blog page at blog.getintocollege.com. That's blog.getintocollege.com. And last, don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.